What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined today by a, a good friend of mine from the watch community. It's been a long time, and uh, you know we've been talking about doing this for a while, and I'm glad we finally did. But I'm with Simon, aka Wild Bezel, on Instagram. Lots of you who listen to this show and are part of the Instagram kind of watch community or the broader watch community as a whole uh, know about Simon from his uh, incredible uh, nature shots, his incredible style of photography, as well as some just some really cool watches that he has. For example, his uh, Omega Railmaster, which I'm a huge fan of. And uh, yeah, he's all here to talk about all things Wild Bezel, who he is, what he does, why he does it, and what he like, what he likes collecting. Uh, really quickly, uh, how's it going today, Simon, and what's on the wrist today? It's going really good. Uh, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm, I, I'm really excited to do this episode. You're one of the first people that I sort of connected with in the watch community when I was really just starting out and we chatted all the time and we just, I, I've known you for a good while and it's really exciting. And uh, I'm really happy that we're finally doing this episode together. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm honored to be on the show. And um, so you asked for a wrist check and you mentioned the Railmaster. So there it is. Awesome, man. Railmaster. Tell us a little bit about that piece. Like it's, I know there's been a few kind of variations and iterations of the Railmaster over the years. Yours is uh, one of the, I think the more modern ones. It's, it's a little bit more of a contemporary size. It looks like as well too. Cause yeah. I think the original one was like 46 millimeters or 47. Some yeah, it was huge, 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 huge. Like, <laughs> and, and I know a guy that has one, like it's, it's like, I've got, I got a Panerai now and it looks, it looks the Panerai looks small, right? Like it's a, it's a yeah. massive, massive watch. And you have the, I think the more contemporary size one. I also noticed it on a bit of a different bracelet. So talk to me about that. What do you got going on? Well, um, this is actually, uh, I, I don't know if it's the newest of the Railmasters because there's a, is, is it a 57 like Jubilee or some limited edition uh, of it? So it's the one whoop, <laughs> before that. Yeah. Um, uh, and I had it with the silver dial uh and change it over to a black dial because i wanted to change things up but um yeah it's 40 millimeters it's anti-magnetic it's yeah it's the perfect watch for a rail worker you know so i it's it's perfect for me i think yeah that's that's a terrific it's really cool that they offer it now in a more contemporary size right i mean it's got that unique omega design language that's you know iconic across you know some of its divers and and uh, other models kind of from the era that it was designed but specifically it's its own kind of interesting part of the catalog that pe yeah. you know people don't really necessarily talk about or think about a lot but it's always been there it's so cool it's, is it a hand wind as well too no it's an automatic automatic uh, I don't okay. remember don't remember what the caliber is or anything but it's uh it's speeding on it's it's working perfectly so uh yeah that's great it's, and that's, what are you wearing by the way uh, i have a watch <laughs> that i know i have a watch that i know you also have as well but uh newly yeah. arrived last month the uh arkin instrumentum i love this thing and one it's a cool watch i'm glad you got one too what are your thoughts on it i love it it's uh, so neat it's lightweight mm -hmm. and the way the case curves on the wrist mm -hmm. is just perfect i mean mm -hmm. it, it's a perfect fit mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the micro adjust on the bracelet it's 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 a perfect watch it's a perfect tool watch and it keeps 
perfect time as well, actually. At least mine does. Uh, I've been very impressed with the timekeeping on the watch. The uh, I would agree, like the integrated bracelet makes a big difference. The curvature of the mm. case, the way the case is designed, the sizing as well. It comes in at 40 uh, millimeters as well. But the, uh, like, just, I, it's just a cool watch. You put it on and you feel like you're like a spy or something like that. I don't know what it is. It's got, it's got that really interesting, like, Scandinavian kind of design going on, which I think is really cool. Obviously, you being in Norway, you're, you're familiar with that. I'm sure you're, your whole world has kind of got some of that design going on around you but it just it's, yeah. ve- it's very just clean and well thought out and it's the, the titanium's awesome as well too i think that's a huge thing and you know it was a a large feat for the company my understanding is to make the watch completely out of titanium which you know a lot of a lot of companies or a lot of watches for example like um like uh tudor with the pelagos right they had to do things like they made the clasp out of uh, out of steel and the case back out of steel. And, and even with the Panerai being uh, full titanium as well, I think they use a fair share of steel parts as well. But this is a completely yeah. titanium watch. I think that's super cool. Super scratch resistant as well, too. I, my understanding is it's got a great uh, kind of nano shield protective coating on it or something like that as well, too. And yeah, I've worn it, beat it up, and it still looks brand new. I'm sure yours is much the same. Yep, worn it uh, a lot actually. I um, I'm wearing my Railmaster a lot um, when I'm working and stuff, but I, I switched it out a little bit to just you know test the arcing out, and um, it's it's keeping up very good. I'm very impressed so far. Um, like I said, it keeps very good time, so that's a good thing. You know, working on the railway, you need to have an accurate watch. So um, yeah, I'm I'm very impressed, and it's actually very photogenic as well. So yeah. it's nice taking pictures of it because, you know, it's it's a little bit different than steel and the indices light up and the light. Yeah, so it's it's a, a very fun watch in general, I think. For sure, yeah. Titanium is such an interesting tone to it that doesn't necessarily, like unless you are a very skilled photographer like you are, for example, it's hard to translate that into um, photographs, right? Like it's something that you really have to kind of feel and experience. And it has such a, it's not just the, the tone and the color of the metal as well it's how it feels it's it's always kind of warm too it's one thing i always yeah. find with titanium it doesn't it doesn't have that cold feeling when you put it on your wrist like like steel does right like it almost always has kind of a warm feeling to it and i think it's such a such a fantastic metal to work with but you've mentioned a, a couple of times um and i think it's interesting to get into and maybe it's a great uh, starting point you work in a railway and you got yourself a rail master let's talk about How'd that happen? And more, moreover, how did watches all happen for you? Where did you begin on this, you know, crazy journey? How did you get infected with the sickness? And how is it, <laughs> how is it kind of just, you know, snowballed from there into where you're at now in the watch community? Okay. So, um, we'll start at the beginning. Um, most, well, not most people, but a lot of people seem to have been interested in watches since they were little, you know, mm-hmm. um, it didn't start there for me. Uh, I, I've i been told I had a Casio Baby G of some sort. Uh, can't remember how it looks like. Don't remember anything about it. Hopefully, it's in my mother's drawers somewhere hidden mm-hmm. away so I can find it later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it hasn't really been uh, like, you know, seeing movies with, with watches and stuff like that. But I guess it started when uh, I became maybe 16 or something like that and i wanted a watch that i could wear 
um, when I, you know, had a suit and tie and everything like that. Um, didn't know anything about watches, just mm-hmm. found one that I like online, uh, a used one, an old one. I actually have it. It's this little Tissot. Nice. Classic. Um, had it for, yeah, since I was 16, soon turning, turning uh, 31. So it's been me, been with me for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, put it away, forgot about it. Um, and I don't know, when I started train driving school, it's probably the time that I started thinking a little bit more about watches in general. Um, because they told us that as a train driver, you need to have a watch. They didn't tell us anything about, you know, the specifics or anything. Just you need a watch because you need to be able to keep time. Mm-hmm. So I I went out and I, you know, started looking for watches and I found this little, oh, I don't know, focus, come on. What? Oh, uh, there okay, go. there we go. Interesting. What is that? I don't think I've seen anything like that before. This is a Casio Tough Solar of some kind. Um okay. It doesn't even have any serial numbers or anything like that. Uh, don't know much about it, but I had it since train driving school. Um, and I, for, for some reason, my favorite color is orange. So, you know, orange indices and, and stuff like that. I just fell for it. I don't know why. Probably will never pick it up now. But, <laughs> you know, so uh, that's what started it and probably what, kind of kicked off this little tool watch um obsession of mine um so i started looking more into watches mm-hmm. and you know suddenly you see brands like omega and rolex and stuff like that and i saw the real master and i absolutely loved it but i never in a million years thought i ever have one mm-hmm. <laughs> and um the interest started growing a little bit. I started learning more about Swiss watches and mechanical automatic quartz. Um, and I joined a Facebook group, a Norwegian Facebook group that's a, quite a lot of members. I think there's 67,000 members or something. Wow. And that's quite huge for Norway. Mm-hmm. Um, started reading up, learning more and more. And from there, I just just snowballed. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's basically how it started, you know, from the very beginning. That's really um, interesting. So, yeah. it, so it kind of just it, it grew from your profession then, right? It wasn't something yeah. where it came from, you know, the family where, again, you started from a very young age. It was just it sort of grew out of necessity. And then as you yeah. just, you know, started to inform yourself more about what was out there, you started to get more interested in them. What was it that you found, uh, I guess, so fascinating about watches that sort of as you started to I guess investigate or learn more it just kept driving you to want to get more and more watches and then after you know and you you looked into getting the rail master was that after you became aware of it was that the watch you immediately bought next or was there kind of a journey going all the way up to, up to that point um it it started you know as uh, uh, an obtainable grail for me basically because I I never in a million years thought that I would buy a watch that expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started basically because, like you said, out of necessity, I started looking more for, you know, um, 
how should I say, uh, stuff that I wanted a watch to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So anti-magnetism, scratch resistant, a little bit water resistant. And, you know, it just, it's, I don't know how to, it's just tool watches. I, I think it's how they work and how they, uh, they're able to work, take a beating and all that, you know, and still be able to keep time accurately. Mm-hmm. That just impresses me a lot. Yeah. So I, I think tool watches and, and when I look at my watches, it's mostly tool watches. So um, it's, it's around that, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's very interesting. And, and that's sort of like, I have a, that's where my appreciation is as well too, is tool watches and like purpose specific built watches. And then sort of what I find interesting is the design philosophy and the design of, of how they make this watch functional for that task. I think that's really interesting. And it's, and it's, again, you work in one of those like really unique fields as well too, where like, you know, like before you and I chat, I don't think I've ever met anybody who works in a rail yard before, right? Like it's never, or, 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 or is a conductor of a train or, or anything like that. Right. So it's, it's one of those really unique uh, professions that also has a very specific watch built for them. And I think that's super cool and, and really neat. Yeah. I think it's, it's very serendipitous that you got one as well and you actually work in that field it's like you know it's like when a, a nasa astronaut gets a speedmaster right it's like it's just <laughs> yeah, kind of it's, it's it's neat right it's cool when someone yeah. actually who the watch was made for actually uses the watch right so can you um i guess talk a little bit about how you moved into i guess the larger watch collecting hobby now so you got interested in it you started picking up pieces you know how did you end up creating wild bezel on Instagram? How did you end up getting into photography? Because I mean, photography is, is largely, I think, with your Instagram account, what you're known for, right? Your, your really interesting nature shots and this unique tone that your photos have. Kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Yeah, so I don't know if you remember this, but my account wasn't the uh, wild bezel in the beginning. It was Railmaster on Rails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was... The thing when I bought the Railmaster, uh, because I thought, you know, people may want to see the Railmaster actually being used on the railway. So I I started thinking, you know, you have Facebook pages and stuff like that, but it's not really the place I wanted to share my pictures. So I figured, you know, I'll start an Instagram account and, and try to try to see if that will work. And and uh, started the Instagram account, and it, you know, it it did all right. People seem to enjoy, you know, uh, seeing the railmaster around the rails. Mm-hmm. So it started there, and <laughs> I I quickly ran out out of ideas for pictures. I I posted maybe three or four pictures, and I didn't know what to do at all. Um, had some other watches in the collection, and you know, started thinking, hmm, maybe I should try posting the Seamaster, I think was the second one I posted. Um, posted that, and it did all right. It was a wrist shot on the mountains, uh, right behind me actually here now. Um, so I started posting more of my collection, starting showing a little bit more, you know, more and more of that. Um, and my collection grew, and I started hiking more with my watches, taking pictures in the snow in Norway, in Norway, in the nature. And 
people seem to really enjoy those, you know, nature shots that I used to do. I don't do that kind of shots anymore, but still, you know, with the ice and snow and mm-hmm. the cold of Norway. So I started thinking maybe this is not the appropriate name anymore for, you know, I I, I barely post the Railmaster on the railway. So I, I had a, a poll on on my Instagram stories and asked if people think I should change the name or keep it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I asked my wife, uh, she's a tattoo artist. So I asked, asked her to make a new logo and she did. And before the poll even ended, I changed the name to the wild bezel. (laughs) And uh, because I love the logo so much. So I just changed it without even thinking. And it it was more appropriate. And then I did a Facebook thing and I just took away the at the end. <laughs> Very uh, cool. At the beginning, sorry. Yeah. So how do you, I guess, like, so you said you don't really do the nature shots anymore specifically. So what exactly, like, I guess, how do you decide what kind of photos you're going to do and what sort of inspires you for your photography then? Like, do you do sort of like a series then of photos with a certain kind of theme or a setting and then move on to something else? Or is it just sort of whatever you're feeling inspired to do at that time, that's the kind of photos that you take? Well, I, uh, what I meant by, I don't do those kind of photos is I, I used to, um, how should I say? I had my iPhone. I put my watches in the snow or, in tiny caves i don't know how to describe them but basically underground in the snow and i stuck my phone down there and i took a picture you know or many pictures and hope mm-hmm. that one of them turned out good mm-hmm. um so what i mean is i I've, I've changed a lot on how i compose my shots and how i um light my shots and everything like that so and it's become a little bit more indoors actually and a little bit more um how should I say style shots, you know, everyday lifestyle shots. I've, I've suddenly gotten a little bit into, I, because I have a new camera with a timer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started taking pictures of myself with my hands in my pockets and the watch, you know, so um, just a little bit of a style change in that way, but I still take pictures in nature. I just don't have as much time as I used to before to actually go on a hike and, and take pictures. So um but because of the camera change, the pictures also change because it's not an iPhone anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool, cool. That's interesting. So, I mean, for the photography buffs that are you know listening and things like that, I, I'm not a photography guy. I'm sure people that follow my page have noticed I'm not I'm not particularly uh, gifted at taking amazing photos like you are. But you know, can you kind of give us a little bit of a breakdown of some of your your process or some of the equipment that you're using now that you've kind of started to, I guess, uh, develop more of a routine around the way you take your photos. Yeah. Um, so I, I recently got uh, the Sony A7 IV, mm-hmm. which I'm filming on right now as well, um, because I wanted a camera for photography and for a video. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm not only taking pictures of, you know, my watches. I, I it's uh, it has become a hobby for me as well with the watches so i take pictures of street photography i try to to take nature photography Uh, so that's the reason i bought that camera um i haven't been able to use it as much as i hoped to yet but Mm -hmm. 
I, I'm I'm still learning the camera. So so um, yeah, that's that's the, the new camera, and I'm using a 35 millimeter lens with um, it, I think it's called a half macro lens. So it's you can get pretty close, and that's good for the watch photography as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the second question again? <laughs> I guess, and like sort of like sort of your technique that you're using, right? Like if you were to describe, you know, things around lighting or angles, like if you were to give like people tips, for example, on how to take like good watch shots and good watch photos, what would be some like things you would want people to consider? Well, um, when I when I'm taking pictures outdoors, I sort of generally look for place that I know or that I think would look good with the watch on top of it mm-hmm. and the background being um, an okay background. And I put the watch down and I start my camera and I look, look and see if it looks okay. And then I adjust for, you know, the correct lighting, the lighting that I like at least. And I do that while looking in the camera. So I see sort of how the picture will look and there's a lot of reflection when you're shooting outside. So I normally wear a black cap <laughs> that I put over uh, the dial. Okay. Or, so the, it stops the light. And that's basically it. I just point and shoot other than that. You know, I just, I think, oh, this may look cool. And I take a picture or 10 and hopefully one of them will turn out okay. So that's, that's basically it. That's, that's how I do it. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah. The black cap thing. I hadn't thought of using like something like that. I, I, I always, I always, like, I always think about how silly I must look to someone if they saw me taking the picture. Cause I have, you know, you got the phone and then you got the watch laid out and then you're trying to use your, I got my hand. I'm trying to move my hand around <laughs> to try and block out the sun without, without showing a big hand reflection on the credit. Like it's a whole process. And yeah, I guess yeah. using something that's just black and, and like, a large kind of flat object with the brim of a hat or a piece of paper or something would definitely work better and maybe look even a little less goofy to third parties that are, you know, looking at what I'm doing, but that's uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Those are some great tips and, and, you know, I think something that, you know, can almost improve just about anybody's uh, watch photography. What, uh, I guess, so you, you started, you created your account, you know, and you changed the name as it got a little bit more established and, and what has it been like for you being part of the watch community and how would you, you know, if you were to kind of give your own uh, opinion, your own thoughts on the way the community is, what would you kind of, what would you kind of say? What's your summary of the watch community and your experience in it? The community is amazing. I mean, um, I've gotten to speak to uh, a lot of awesome people, yourself mm-hmm. included. Um, gotten to, you know, learn a lot uh, from from a lot of people and everybody's very nice and very helpful. And if you ask something, they'll help you. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, as a community, it's it's great. I mean, I've I've uh, I recently flew to London or to England, uh, to Manchester and uh, York and met a lot of watch guys. That's really cool. That I met nice. basically through Instagram and then over to Facebook. But uh, it's this little Facebook group uh, called the Watch Crowd on 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 Facebook. Um, great people, you know. Just flew over there and looked at watches. It was amazing, and I yeah, the community is awesome. 
Yeah, that's so that's so cool. Like, and that's one of the neat things too. I mean, it's it's the opportunities to meet people and and develop communities on a global scale, right? I mean, that's I've, I've said it before on the show. I'm sure people are, are you know routine listeners are tired of hearing it, but it's cool that <laughs> I can basically like feel like I could fly to any major city and I could at least have someone to meet at the airport and go for a drink with, you know, like have a friend in almost any, any major city in the world. And, and you have a familiar face and someone you can talk to and that, you know, it's sort of like, it's, it's awesome that it's such a great unifier, right? I mean, you have people in all sorts of professions and all sorts of places in the world who all love the same thing. And it's sort of like, if you're a watch guy and we're chatting right on a regular basis, feel like I already know you're a good dude, you know, like it's one of those things yeah. where you don't have to worry about any sort of shenanigans or anything like that. Right. It's, it's a, it's a really, really, it's a really neat community. And, and I think yeah. it's awesome. And I'm glad that you've had such a positive experience and you've been able to get out there and kind of engage a little bit more. Did you find that, um, you know, during the pandemic that really was sort of when you started to really engage more in the community as well too, it was able to, you know, you're have less places to go, less things to do. And you're kind of able to really kind of lean into the community a little bit more. Absolutely. Uh, during the pandemic, I know I, I've learned so much and I, I got to, you know, speak to so many great people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, uh, I don't know how, how should I say it? Uh, a lot of people on Instagram actually have given me, you know, editing tips and photo tips and stuff like that. So, so it's been a very, uh, very nice for the photography part. And I don't know, in general, you know, you, you're never bored, just open Instagram and you speak to some guys and people have posted new pictures and, you know, it's, it's awesome. I don't know <laughs> how to say it any other way, you know, no, it's, it's true. It's one of those, it's one of those awesome uh, communities that really kind of feeds itself and everyone's always up to something. There's always something new to see, you know, and it's like one thing that I really find very interesting about it too. And, and, and perhaps you do, cause I feel like it's, that's particularly in your niche of the watch community, which regards to photography, there's sort of like communities within the community. Right. And if you want to explore something new, right? Like say you're like, oh, I want to start learning more about Breitlings or I want to start learning more about Panerai's or Rolex or Omega or this specific model within any thereof. There's always like communities within communities within communities and everyone's so welcoming, right? You're really able to kind of like learn more, explore more, really dive into whatever topics kind of interest you. And, and it's, you know, it doesn't cost you anything to do it. I mean, it, it, this hobby costs you lots <laughs> in, the, in the long run, <laughs> it but, does. but the learning doesn't have to cost you much, uh, you know, in, in that process, unless you're one of those hands-on learners, then it's going to cost you a lot. But um, yeah, that's, uh, that's really awesome. You've had such a great, such a great sort of experience up to this point. And, and yeah, the community is, is terrific. Um, Let's talk a little bit about, I guess, like what's in your collection. Like you, you have quite a few pieces. You've had a few pieces over the years as well, too, that have maybe come and gone and whatnot. You know, we talked a little bit about the, the Railmaster, but what else is in the collection? What sort of, um, what do you consider when you buy a piece? Like what really drives you to, uh, you know, be drawn towards a specific piece? I know you mentioned tool watches, but let's let's explore that a little bit further and kind of show us some pieces from the collection and anything with any, any pieces that have a unique story or a sentimental value to them as well, too, that you'd be willing to share. It'd be awesome. Absolutely. Uh, so basically tool watches is what I look for when I, or it, I don't specifically, specifically look <laughs> up tool watches. That's the Norwegian part of me, by the way. Um, but 
I look at watches that I can wear every day. Mm-hmm. Okay. That that will take the beating that I put them through when I go hiking, when I play with my son in the in the yard or whatever. So they have to be tough, a little bit water resistant. And that's basically it. Hopefully it has a, a sapphire crystal so it can take some scratching. But um Let's start with the one I never thought I would have after getting the Railmaster. Oh yeah, it's perfect. What a, what a wonderful piece. I I I couldn't resist. <laughs> like, That's the uh, I like hiking. It's the ultimate hiking watch, I think. So. For sure. Is that the thirty six um, or is that the thirty nine? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's the thirty six. It's the newest one. Oh, per- oh, uh, awesome! The the brand new yeah. the brand new Explorer there. That's really really neat. And so how'd that come uh, about? Was that a, was that a AD called or how did that? No, I, I told myself I would never, I think actually I told you as well, I would never buy a Rolex above, you know, retail price. Mm-hmm. Never. Uh, and then I, I, I had a visit to my AD and he told me they had no waiting lists. So I just had to come by and see if they had it in stock. And if they did, they will sell it to me. Nice. Perfect. That's the kind of AD um, you want. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. But I went in there and visited twice. Mm-hmm. And both times they had that watch, or not that watch, but uh, uh, Explorer in the window. Mm-hmm. And both times they told me, no, sorry, that's for a client. Or for a customer. Okay. So when that happens twice, you sort of give up, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) because they told me, yeah, come and just buy it when we have it. And they had it and they didn't want to sell it. Mm -hmm. So they may be telling me that they have no wait lists, but they have customer lists for sure. Okay. So I gave up and I just had to buy it. You know, it was unworn, still plastic on everything. And yes, it a little bit more premium price, but I just had to, you know, before I, I needed it in my collection. And uh, I, I wear it every day when I'm not working, to be honest. That's wonderful. What a cool piece and, and a great, a great grail to get your hands on. Right. How oh, do yeah. you find, I mean, the, I know that they're not made for the same purpose, but they're, they have you know sort of a similar design language, but across different brands. How do you find it compares to the, um, the Railmaster? Well, for me, it wears a little better because it's smaller. I, mm. After getting uh, the 36mm Explorer, I suddenly found out that I like smaller watches. 40mm mm-hmm. uh, is still perfect, but it just sits nicer on the wrist. It's, it feels a little bit more premium, but mm-hmm. it's not... It's not if, you, if you look at it from a design perspective... And, you know, the quality feeling, it's not worth the price difference for me, but, you know, it's, it's the history, it's the brand. So Mm -hmm. still it's worth it, but not technically, you know, the Railmaster is superior with the movement, with the water resistance, with everything like that. But it's still the history behind the watch and the history behind the brand that I fell for and, you know, Everest and all that stuff. So, so yeah, it's, they're different, but still. You know, 
quite comparable actually so yeah no and i think i think like with the uh with watches that are you know don't have a dive bezel or aren't a chronograph or something like that you know you generally if it's just like a, a three-hander type of watch like the explorer is um the smaller size i think does wear better as well especially you know i think that i think that that like 36 to 38 millimeter is really that sweet spot for those um you know just basic three hand kind of watches and it's also a very traditional size for the explorer as well right it's just like that's that's the classic explorer and i think i i, I i'm willing to bet that piece is going to be with you for the rest of your life because that's a that's no a doubt. That's a wonderful, wonderful watch, man. I'm very happy you're able to get it at at least not too much of a premium as well. So thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. What else do you have in the collection? And what else sort of has an interesting kind of history or a story to it? Um, interesting history. I don't know if it's in interesting, but it has a backstory at least. It's um, this one. Okay. What And just for the people that are listening and might not be watching, what, what, are, what are we oh, yeah. looking at? I this is uh, an Omega. Uh, I think it's just called the Bullseye. Okay. Uh, vintage. Uh, I think it's 40 millimeters, probably. No, probably a little smaller. 36, 38. Uh, gold plated. Mm -hmm. uh, a little more. There we go. Uh, it's from, I think it's from 57 or something like that. I know for a fact that it's um, it's been painted. The dial has been painted or uh, it's been refurbished. Okay. Isn't that, refurbished, yeah. refinished. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's it's um, it's a wedding day gift from my wife. Nice. Um, yeah. And, so, it's, uh, and it's, a, it's like a tuxedo dial as well, too. So a great a great piece yeah. to wear on a wedding day. Oh yes, uh, I I absolutely love it. I rarely wear it because it, it it's an old watch and i i'm a little bit afraid of it like i said I, you know i i'm into tool watches but this one is very special to me so it's just staying in the box and coming out on very special occasions mm -hmm. um and let's see the next one in the, the collection now i'll i'll pull out the seamaster as well uh the white dial 300 Wonderful. meter seamaster um this one is special because I wore it when my son was born. Uh, I got it for my 30th, 30th birthday. <laughs> the English is running away from here. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been with me since I became 30 and I wore it when my son was born. And it's a piece that he's going to get when when he, for example, graduates or when something big happens in his life. So I wear it on occasion, not often, but I still wear it. And what oh, was yeah. the, and now you got the white dial, the, the I think it's like the polar white, or I'm not sure what the, yeah. what the community kind of has, has indicated they want to call that piece, but what's the, what was the driving factor in picking up that version, right? Because obviously that, that watch comes in quite a few different iterations now. This was my first, I would say, high-end luxury watch. Um, I got it before the Railmaster, mm -hmm. and it opened the door for everything else. Uh, <laughs> uh, when we found out, or when my wife found out she was pregnant, she told me, and I started thinking, you know, I need a watch that will last my lifetime and hopefully my son's lifetime as well. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, making a list of everything that I wanted. Um, 
I wanted an anti-magnetic. I wanted it, you know, with a sapphire crystal, water resistant, everything like that. And the Rolex Explorer was on this, that list as well, but unobtainable mm-hmm. at the time. Um, and I started looking into the Railmaster because I already liked that watch, but I wanted it as a work watch, not as a you know piece I give to my son. So basically fell down to the Seamaster or the one that you have, the Pelagos. Mm. And I went and tried on both. Uh, love the Pelagos, but it's a little bit big for me. I, I, it's not really, but you know, it felt a little bit bigger mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, and I just went with the Seamaster and you know, started thinking white or black. Uh, but I don't know, the, the white dial just spoke to me mm-hmm. in the shop, you know, it just radiated. <laughs> so I just I just went with it and, and bought the white dial. Yeah. Ah, it's a really, really nice, really, really cool watch. It's one of the colors you don't see come up as often. And I think that's going to make it really unique and valuable going forward as well. And, and regarding the Pelagos in comparison, I think they're both at 42, but the Pelagos is a little bit, like it's more sharp. Like everything is very sharp and kind of slabs, like the big slab sided diver. And it's very like just utilitarian. Whereas the Omega yeah. is so elegant and it's, it's beautiful curves on it. Like it's much more luxurious is what I would say. The And yeah. I think, and I think it's a very, uh, it's a very, very nice piece. And like I used to, I used to have the, uh, the Casino Royale, not the limited edition, but the one worn in Casino Royale, the 222080 or whatever it was. So the back when they were still 41 and had the aluminum bezels, but the first one with the yeah. coaxial movement. And I love that watch. I had that watch for probably the better part of 10 years and wore the heck out of it. Amazing, amazing piece. Um, and, and Omega does something really special with those watches. And even with the new iterations with all the ceramics and going up a little bit in size and everything, they're such a unique watch, um, something yeah. to really, something to really enjoy. And they really have that, that feel that they're going to be around, like you said, for a very long time and they will last a lifetime and multiple generations. And I think that that's something really admirable and a really, really cool piece. And, and, and like a really nice watch with all those awesome specs that you're not paying over retail for and, <laughs> and, and even at retail are significantly, more bang for buck than what you're getting, you know, from other brands that might be considered competitors in the space, right? Like they're really just the the amount that Omega offers in their price point is there's no one else coming near to that. No, for sure. For sure. And so what else do you have in the collection? You have already, I mean, these, these watches you're showing are fantastic. They're amazing pieces. And I had forgotten about the Explorer. So it's very, it was, it was neat to see that. It's very, very cool. You saw that. And I actually, I, I hadn't seen the uh, Omega in a while either, the, uh, the Seamaster. So I've always, I've always, I guess, had you just been synonymous with the Railmaster in my mind as well, too. And I, and, and I forgot that you, you changed the dial color too. Cause I remember you always had the gray one, the gray brushed kind of dial. And, and yeah. so uh, before we go into the next piece, what made you want to switch over to the other dial color? Well, to be honest with you, I, I bought the, the Railmaster uh, from the same AD as I bought the Seamaster. Mm-hmm. Um, he knew that I was looking for a Railmaster. He didn't have uh, the black dial, mm-hmm. but he had the blue and the, uh, the steel silver dial. And he called me and he tells me, you know... Uh, He's gonna make me an offer or make me a yeah uh, a price on that, and I couldn't refuse. 
on the silver dial. The blue dial sold, dial, <clears throat> dial sold before I could even get to it, but the, mm. the silver dial was very, very cheap for a new watch. So he just he he stopped selling Omega. That's why he just needed to get rid of it. So I bought it because you know you, I I couldn't say no. It was a Railmaster or it was a Grail Master for me yes. at the time. So I I just had to, and I've always liked the black dial the most. But when a silver dial, you know. At a very very reasonable price comes up, you just have to. Um, so I, I bought it and had it for I think almost two years now, mm. and it needed a little bit of servicing because it was running a little bit slow, and the, those movements are not supposed to run slow at all. They're only supposed to run zero to five seconds plus. That's right. Day. So I I sent it in for servicing and I asked the the AD if there was a possibility of changing the dial and it was, and wow. you know, I wanted the black dial from the beginning and it still wasn't that expensive. So I just, I had to do it. I had to change the dial. And, That's um, so oh, interesting. you know, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, so I just, I just didn't, I mean, like if you like, there's a lot of other brands that they wouldn't do that for you. Right. It's so interesting that no. Omega is like, yeah, sure. Whatever. We'll swap it for you. I mean, that's, that's terrific. And did they charge you a premium to do so? Or did they just, yeah, we'll take the old one and put a new one in? Oh, no, there was a premium. Um, okay. But they let me keep the old dial as well. Um, so it's not bad. You know, it's it's a completely new watch, basically, mm-hmm. uh, for a lot less money. Mm-hmm. And I can change back when I want to, and it wouldn't be that expensive at all. So, you know, it's basically two for one. I guess. And I, I enjoy the black doll so much. I probably won't change back, but I just had to do it. <laughs> that's so neat. That's, that's, it's, I wonder like just from a community point of view, and I'm curious what, I mean, if anyone wants to shoot me a DM or in the comments below when they listen to this, like, you know, what is the, is it still considered a mod if the OEM manufacturer does it for you? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, or is it, or is it or is it a custom piece now? That's what I'm curious. If you if you had the like if you have the documentation showing that it was done at the Omega servicing center, would it yeah would it now be a custom watch like a one a one off? Because the serial number like if you were to go to the Omega museum and get it pulled would always show that it's meant to be a silver dial, but you have documentation that it was swapped by Omega to a black dial. That's interesting. I'm curious what people's thoughts yeah. on that would be, but that's, that's very cool that they, they did that for you and you were able to kind of, you know, make that change to the watch without having to get a whole new watch and deal with the hassle yeah. of selling your old one and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It, that's actually interesting. The, the, the one with the, is it a mod? Is it, and I, I think they actually mentioned something about it as well. When I, I asked them, mm. they told me, you know, having it serviced and everything like that would probably become a little bit more difficult because the serial number uh, number and the dial doesn't match up. Mm-hmm. But as long as I had documentation, no, there no problem at all. So, mm-hmm. so they, they accept it just going to be a little bit more hassle. That's all. Yeah. They so, might ask, they might ask you a question or something like that whenever yeah. you send it in and just kind of, Oh, Hey, what's the deal with this? But I'm sure they keep, yeah. I mean, Omega keeps pretty good records of everything. So, I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be hard they for do. them to find it on their end as well. Uh, sorry. I interrupted you with that little side conversation. You were in the middle of saying something though. Please continue. 
I don't remember what I was saying <laughs> anymore. So, so that's okay. <laughs> uh, so, so I think you were just kind of talking about like the, you know, you got the silver dial. You, you mentioned, yeah, that you had got, you got it swapped to a black dial because you uh, liked the black dial more yeah. and, um, and that you got a really good deal that you couldn't refuse on the silver dial from the previous 80. And now he's not selling pieces anymore. And then it was kind of, you were going from there. So. Yeah. Uh, I was going to mention because I bought, I bought the, um, the Railmaster on a uh, uh, leather strap. Mm. And actually, I found uh, a bracelet that fits it. Okay. Uh, just for the few Railmaster owners out there. Um, the Forstner bracelet. Nice. For the pre... What is it? The pre-2018 Seamaster fits hmm. very wonder, nicely <laughs> did, did, did Forster know that or did you have to kind of trial and error it with them uh i saw another guy that had railmaster that bought the flat link for the pre-2018 seamaster nice. and i asked him and uh i just so it's not it's not the same bracelet but uh, I saw that and I, I uh, immediately bought one and it fits and Forstner, I think they reposted my, my picture on, on their Facebook and Instagram as well. So now they know, but it didn't know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's terrific, man. That's a really cool kind of combination. And it looks really nice on the watch as well too. kind of adds that neat to, you know, another custom kind of layer to the watch as well to really make it unique for yourself. And I think that's, you know, something that's really interesting is like, you know, with this being your work watch, and this being like really a tool that you use and you care about, you know, because it's a, it's a piece of equipment that you're relying on. Um, it's interesting to kind of see it be customized over time to better suit your needs and your desires for what you want from the tool, right? I think that's one of those yeah. things, you know, you see those a lot from, you know, watches back in the day where, you know, the guys in um, like the guys with the Vietnam era divers and they'd have those you know, big crazy bracelets on them and things like that, that they would have custom made while they were down there. Or, you know, a lot of guys who have used watches and in other interesting um, professions over the years, you see a little bit of that profession kind of start to impact the design of the watch and how they use it and the, and the uh, customizations that they made to it. I know a lot of the design choices you're making are not, aren't necessarily strictly influenced by um your profession but just your own enjoyment of the hobby and sort of exploring further but you're not afraid to do it and i think that's something that's really cool and i think that that i'm curious to see what the watch is going to look like again in another couple of years and how it's how you might be changed or kind of you know uh, altered further but i think that it's i think you're doing a fantastic job with the watch and it's really interesting to see the journey it's going on with you as you're progressing through the hobby Thank you very much. It's probably going to be a lot more scratched up. That's probably the basic, you know, maybe I buy an, an original bracelet at some point, but that, I think that's probably it. So uh, it's going to change a little bit, but not much. I think that's really cool, though, that you're not afraid. Again, smash it up, scratch it up. You know, it's it's how cool is it to have a rail master that was actually beaten up and used in the railway? Like, I mean, that's going to be that's going to be a cool, that's going to be a crazy cool story. I mean, that's, it's, yeah. we all love storytelling in this space, right? And having a, a watch, it's like, you know, again, it's like having a, a Speedmaster with moon dust on it, right? It just, you just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen, right? It's one of those really, really neat things that it's just cool to come across. So what else is in the collection? I think you have a couple more pieces that, uh, you know, you haven't mentioned or maybe don't come up as frequently uh, even on your page, but I know you have a few pieces in the collection. Uh, yeah, I, I just, 
want to mention I sold a lot of my watches actually when I bought the <laughs> the Rolex, uh, okay. but I still have a few. Um, I'll show you my latest uh, first. I traded. Uh, I had a Casio uh, G-Shock, the all all the full metal black okay. uh, version. Uh, didn't use it at all, mm-hmm. so I traded it for uh, the Hamilton khaki. Nice, that's oh, a great trade. On, focus. There we go. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, is that a vintage one or like the one that they're like a vintage reedition one? I see it has kind of that unique, more uh, military style dial setup on it. It's the vintage reedition, uh, thirty-eight millimeter mechanical um, one. I never bought it because I was afraid that the lugs were a little bit too long. Okay. Because it's a thirty-eight millimeter watch, but the lugs are rather long. But uh, it's so flat. I don't know mm. how thick it is, but it's amazing on the wrist, actually. So it's it's super thin, and it looks really cool. And I, you know. With with my theme of hiking and adventure and outdoors and you know the wild, uh, <laughs> I thought it would fit the collection quite nicely. Uh, so that's the that's the newest one. I I got it a couple of days ago. Oh, um, and then we have one that I picked up when I was in in London for the watch meetup. Um, oh, come on, focus. There we go. Seiko, nice. Yes, this is uh the Seiko. Uh, Laurel Alpinist 1959 re- reissue uh, Alpinist uh, 36 millimeter watch. So it looks basically like the first, you know, Alpinist that came out. And I absolutely loved it when I saw it. <laughs> and I and I got to buy it through uh, a member of the Facebook group that I mentioned earlier. Um, and, you know, as a memory of going to London, meeting watch enthusiasts for the first time <laughs> so yeah i had to bring something home with me as a memory of that um yeah that's terrific yeah you have such an interesting collection and i love that there's you know this kind of common theme of adventure and utilitarianism and you know uh, purpose-built design kind of connecting the whole watch together. I think that's that's really something special. And I look forward to seeing how the collection is going to develop more over time. And I mean, you've already got some uh, fantastic rail pieces. I mean, your collection is, I mean, uh, you could easily say I'm done and I don't think anyone would fault you, would fault you for it. But I mean, it's, it's, it's such a cool, such a cool collection with so many really neat pieces in it. What, uh, I guess, what are you holding out for next or what are you looking for? for next or what is there even anything on the radar right now um i i wouldn't say there's anything particular on the radar i'm not saying i'm done Mm -hmm. in any way but um i'm satisfied at where i am Mm -hmm. with the collection as of right now uh the arkin came in you know another tool watch that i can beat up and have fun with um and the watches that I have fit my needs mm-hmm. more than enough. You know, the Explorer for every day, the Railmaster for work, Seamaster for whenever I'm close to water, uh, and the other ones just, you know, to put on a, sometimes. <laughs> so so it's, I don't really need more right mm. now, at least. Mm. Uh, so we'll see if it if it expands. Uh, I, I will need a, a Speedmaster at some point for sure. 
that's that's the one a watch I I know I'm gonna buy mm. at some time. Um, and a Tudor of some kind, mm. I think maybe the the black and no no the um, the steel and gold thirty six millimeter. Yeah, okay. I really like that. The matte one. Yeah. They've they've released a new one now, which is polished, but the older one is mm-hmm. really nice. So I'm probably gonna buy that as a dress watch sometime in the future. But I'm in no rush anymore. I I'm very happy with where I am. Yeah, it's great when you kind of reach that point where you're like, I'm good. I'm I'm happy to kind of explore and have some fun and and look at other things and and muse with certain new pieces. But it's not really you don't feel that urge to get something new anymore. Right. I think that's a really neat spot to be in and, and a spot that I think a lot of watch collectors are envious of you that you're in right now. Cause I think it's, uh, <laughs> it's sort of the part of the part of the sickness or part of the hobby that we all hope to achieve one day is, is contentment. And uh, it's cool to see someone that's really happy with where they are right now and has such a fantastic collection. Um Simon, it's been awesome chatting with you. It's been terrific going through the collection and hearing all about yourself and kind of your role in the community. Can you, I guess, one last uh, question. I've kind of been doing this lately for the last few episodes and I try to you know, ask everyone kind of an interesting question just to get their perspective on something uh, as we kind of go out of the show here. But if you could give one piece of advice to someone coming into this hobby that's brand new, right? You've been in the hobby long enough. You've had enough watches. You've learned a lot, learned enough lessons. What would it be? What would be that one piece of wisdom you would impart to someone new coming into this hobby? So we're talking completely new, no watches. Uh, well, or... they got like a watch and, you know, we'll say, we'll say it's like the, the classic, like I just bought my SKX 007. I'm finally a watch collector. I'm in the hobby. I'm just starting to hit the ground running. I need advice because I'm, I'm, I'm in the the great big wild uh, world of watches, and uh, I'm just being inundated with information and brands, and I don't even know where to go from here. Okay, um, I think probably the biggest one is buy what you like. Mm-hmm. Don't give a crap about what any other people think, because at the end of the day, it's you you will wear the watch or you mm-hmm. won't. If you buy a hyped up watch because everybody t- tells you to, you're probably not going to enjoy it because you didn't, you know, you didn't try it out. You didn't get to wear it. Or So I think just if you like a watch and don't ask other people if they like it because there's always going to be something negative about a watch. There's no perfect watch, but if you like it, buy it. Don't, don't, don't care what any other people think. I think that's, that's basically. I think, it. I think that's great advice. I think yeah, the the mental exercise of really thinking about what you like and what you would look for in a watch can be a little bit daunting at times. It's a, a little bit daunting at times. It might not be very fun to kind of go through, but once you really have a clear picture of what you like out of watches and what you use them for and what you enjoy about them. Um, it makes it a lot easier to really kind of filter out a lot of the fluff of what everybody's saying you should like, right? Because the reality is everybody's going to use their watch differently. Everyone's going to engage with it differently. Some people use it for their profession. Some people use it just because they like watches. Some people just, they just want to watch and that's it, right? I mean, who knows? And, and I think that that's, you know, having that honest conversation with yourself will save you a lot of 
frustration, a lot of annoyance, having to try and sell watches and probably a lot of money in the end as well too. So hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, Simon, it's been fantastic chatting with you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so happy that we had you on the show today. And finally, we, we did this episode. It's been a long time coming. I look forward to having you on again to kind of see another, uh, you know, update on what's going on with the collection and with yourself in the near future as well. Really quickly, what are some places that people can contact you or engage with your content if that's what they want to do? So, uh, Wild Bezel at Instagram. Uh I have a Facebook group, uh, Facebook page as well, Wild mm-hmm. Bezel, but I think there's one or two or three likes maybe. So <laughs> don't reach me there. Uh, you won't reach me there. Uh, Instagram is basically the place, uh, Wild Bezel. Awesome. And yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely uh, link your Instagram in the, in the uh, information boxes down below on all the podcast platforms and then additionally on uh, YouTube you. as well. Anyone uh, for myself, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, or would like to just chat with me about anything or everything involving the show and watches, you can shoot me an email at ricoswatchespodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, you can uh, follow along with the show at sort of its central hub, which is also on Instagram at ricoswatchespodcast on Instagram. Uh, Shoot me a DM over there. Follow along with new episodes, updates, wrist shots, contests, giveaways, all that stuff. And uh, yeah, you shoot me a DM anytime. I, I usually try to get back to people as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, try and you know, leave a comment, like some photos, and uh, give me a follow if you're enjoying the show. Additionally, if you're enjoying all my episodes in the audio mediums across the various platforms that it is on for podcasting, um, but you would like to enjoy the episode in a video medium, whether it's just to see myself and uh, Simon's wonderful mustache, or if you would uh, like to see any of the other 80 plus episodes that I have uh, uploaded in a video medium, you can head over to the Rico's Watches podcast at YouTube channel. Just be sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment, all that kind of stuff that just helps the, the channel grow, the primary hub being across the podcasting platforms. But I like to keep the YouTube around for accessibility issues. The other thing as well too, uh, anybody who's made it this far into my ranting at the end of my episode and is still listening, I've recently switched my microphone. I have a new one. I uh, This is the first episode using it. Please let me know about the audio quality if you think it's improved at all, because I still have the old one, and if this one's not cutting it, then I'm going to go back to the old one for you guys. So I want nothing but the best for you guys, my loyal, awesome listeners. Simon, thank you so much. It's been fantastic having you on. I know I've said that a couple times, but I really mean it. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you, catching up with you, seeing you face to face, and finally talking in person. I think it's I think it's wonderful, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you again. Yeah, thank you for having me, Eric. It's been awesome, and uh, I'll if you want to have me back, I'll be back. So uh, thank you very much. Absolutely. You have yourself a wonderful evening. I know it's getting late over there in Norway. I can see the sun starting to slowly fade away. So I'll let you get on with your evening over there. But it's been an absolute pleasure. You have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you very much. You too. Bye-bye.